unbelievable knockout. Good morning, good, morning. good, good afternoon. afternoon, wherever you are, you're listening to the Mo the and Joe's, Joe's Sports Podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Mo and Joe Sports Podcast, where we're now week three. So if you listened to the first one, thank you very much. Second one, thank you very much. And if you've listened to now all three of them, Doubly, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for giving us a listen and giving us all this great feedback. It is allowing us to keep innovating with the podcast and change up a few things, as you'll see in today's episode. New sports, new segments. We're looking about this week. Changing up, making it new, making it fun. Let's get to it. Let's do it. So our first sport this week is Formula One, where we had the Austrian Grand Prix and then the Styrian Grand Prix, which is the second Austrian Grand Prix, if you were listening last week. And then this week, we have the Hungarian Grand Prix. Is that right, Jordan? Yeah, we have, mate. We've had the Hungarian Grand Prix. Weekend is done. We have our winners. And it was an exciting weekend for racing. And I'm really looking forward to getting into just a little bit of a review of this weekend. So last week, we recorded before the weekend. And this week, we're, we're recording after the weekend. So now we actually have the results. So, Jordan, do you just want to quickly go through the Styrian Grand Prix results and the predictions? I think you got pretty much spot on. I would say I got the top three spot on. I didn't get it bang on, however. I predicted we'd have Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas. Ironically, this weekend's uh, results, but last weekend at the Styrian Grand Prix, we had Hamilton, Bottas and then Verstappen. Absolutely fantastic race, uh, filled with a little bit of drama. It's from the very first lap, basically. We had the Ferraris crashing into each other at the very start, meaning that they did not finish the race as a team. And no points and really lit the likes of Mercedes Red Bull, and currently now we have as well, coming into that pack, Racing Point, get ahead of them. So it was really exciting weekend that we had just passed. Then this weekend in Hungary, we've had an even more exciting one, I would say. So it seemed like the second Austrian Styrian Grand Prix was more status quo in the first one, with results really in the top three. Like you've got Lando Norris, so he wasn't in top three again, but it's sort of status quo now, Jordan, yeah. Almost, almost. With the Styrian Grand Prix, what we saw was, of course, Mercedes taking a 1-2, Red Bull taking third and fourth. And then as we went down the pack, we actually had a mixture from McLaren, Racing Point, and even Renault coming into there as well, which was quite exciting to see. So the status quo has kind of been interrupted recently uh, by the performance of Ferrari, which I'm sure we'll get into as we review this weekend's as well. And going into that as well, the race at the Hungarian ring this weekend, we've seen somewhat of the status quo, but again, we're seeing teams that were kind of the lower middle pack kind of coming into challenge for those positions. The likes of Lance Stroll, who a lot of F1 fans maybe consider as a pay driver, considering his dad owns the team, has had consistently great weekends. So in the Styrian Grand Prix in Austria, he came in seventh, and then he recorded his best results so far in his career when he came in fourth in Hungary. So I think I've stated before in one of the previous podcasts is that the thing that I love most about Formula 1 is when it starts off wet and gets dry or dry and then went on to wet and that was the case with this Grand Prix so it's going to be that a little bit more interesting with the whole tyre change and when to go in when not to go in all that sort of stuff so that's the sort of race that I like watching anyway Absolutely mate and we saw that this weekend it started off pretty damp lots of the teams started off on the intermediate tyre moving on to the drier platforms in the third lap I think that started but even before the race had begun the drama had already started as during the warm-up lap, Max Verstappen actually crashed, which was quite interesting. So he crashed, took off his front, and as the teams lined up, essentially, Red Bull had to get back onto the track, put the, the car back together as quickly as possible, and credit to them. 
they managed to do such a good job that Verstappen did come in second for the weekend, which was great. And then, of course, as well, what we saw at the start of the race was the first three laps were pretty damp. A lot of the track was still drying out, but as the cars stuck into it, we started to see the pit stops happen pretty early, and it did produce quite interesting results. As for a time, we had Haas quite high up the field with Kevin Magnussen and Roland Grosjean competing for like the podium positions. And actually, I do believe this weekend we saw Kevin Magnussen have the most laps in a podium position that he's had for Haas recently, which is insane. Of course, for them, they haven't been able to compete. They don't really have the car to compete. And Magnussen was the highest scoring Haas coming in ninth, only able to get two points at the end of the race. I suppose a team like that that's at the lower end of the table, two points is good though, right? For us? Oh, well, certainly. For them right now, it's definitely something that they're looking at. They want to get points on the board. This was their first points of the season. Also, because of that as well, they have now gone up a little bit. So what we've seen is that they currently sit above Alfa Romeo and Williams. Alfa Romeo also have two points, Williams having no points currently. So it is good. It's not great. Pass RNF1 to compete, but right now they're not able to do that. They've not been able to produce a car. And as they are powered by Ferrari, they get a lot of their parts with Ferrari. I think it might be indicative of the troubles that Ferrari are having at the top that Haas are now having at the bottom as well. Speaking of Ferrari, Jordan, they seem to be struggling at the start of the season. From an outsider, anyway, as myself, what's going on here? What's happening with Ferrari? This, who you said in episode one, when you think of Formula One, you think of Ferrari and Michael Schumacher. What's going on with them? What's happening? It is an interesting one with Ferrari, mate. So the only thing I can suggest at the moment is they really just haven't got the car right, whether that be the engine or the design of the car. Something isn't going quite right. As well, we had last week, as I mentioned, we had them crash into each other at the Styrian Grand Prix. There doesn't seem to be this overall team cohesion, really, from the design and the manufacture of the car all the way to the drivers that are on track at the moment. They have been able to produce some results. Of course, Charles Leclerc coming in second on the first week, not getting any points the second week. And being able to push to get some points this weekend, we saw Vettel coming in sixth, but Leclerc actually finishing in 11th and taking home any points for Ferrari. It does seem as if they're in a really dire situation, as if you're an F1 fan, you'll know. And if you're not, I'll... Just let you into this. What we're seeing is there's going to be stricter methods. There already actually are stricter rules coming in place as to when you can change the car, how many tokens you can use to make an upgrade to the engine. If Ferrari have used theirs and they're still producing a subpar product at the end of the day, so they really need to use this season. I think they need to write it off personally and use this season to develop the next car for the next two to three seasons because if they don't get it right they're going to be stuck in the middle of the pack if not further back which is a real concern like for martin yourself not the biggest of f1 fans but when you hear ferrari and f1 you think success i imagine yeah absolutely if i was to picture a formula one car it would be a ferrari car so it is kind of worrying these times where the dominance is just purely Mercedes by the looks of it and possibly not going to change going forward so I suppose trying to catch up with Mercedes and what they're doing it just seems it just seems strange to see a great team like Ferrari being subpar just because of the history behind them this classic team it's hard to see it struggling when you've got teams around them doing well it's just it's a weird one for me Jordan absolutely mate I couldn't agree more so for me I consider likes of Ferrari, Williams and even McLaren to be these heritage brands within Formula 1 and 
what we're seeing right now is Williams really, they, they can't rub matches together and get fire right now, which is unfortunate for them. We are then seeing McLaren, they're finally getting back into a position that they were in before Lewis Hamilton left, where they were kind of able to compete, but they're still, they're still making steps, but you can see them moving forward. As with Williams, you're seeing them move forward slowly, and I do think they'll get there eventually, but Ferrari seem to be pulling back and pulling back. And I personally think that's because they got their car wrong and the teams that are surrounding them, like McLaren, like Racing Point, and even to some degree Renault, are pushing them a lot further than they've been pushed before. You've got your top two dominant teams, I would say, in Mercedes and Red Bull, who are pulling further away. So Ferrari are kind of getting stuck in this position where they they can only move back just now. And it is concerning, especially if you are a fan of Ferrari and Formula One. I don't think personally you're going to see them succeed for a while. Well, we have the dominance of Mercedes. So with the development of cars and the dominance of Mercedes, there's been some news on the back of Racing Point and Renault, Jordan? Yes, mate, there has indeed. So what we've seen is Renault have protested the Racing Point car. They did so for the first time in the Styrian Grand Prix, and they've done so again at the end of the Hungarian Grand Prix. And what they're protesting specifically is the design of the car, so the actual intellectual property of the design. Renault argues that it is too similar to the Mercedes to the point that Mercedes may have assisted them with the design, which under F1 rules would be illegal, and therefore the car would not be satisfactory enough to compete. And with Renault's protest, they've... As I mentioned, they protested it last week and the FIA, so the governing body of more sports. So the FIA have accepted Renault's protest against Racing Point and have agreed to investigate into it further. They've decided that they're going to investigate this over the week break that we now have between now and the race at Silverstone over the weekend from the 31st of July. So we should have a bit more clarity. They, they have protested it twice, even though the FIA said that they are looking into it further. I personally feel that this is Renault spitting the dummy out because they're not as fast as Racing Point. Racing Point have come out and they've been very transparent about how they use substantial photographic references to design this season's car and were inspired by the Mercedes car which they photographed all season. Yes, there are some similarities but we've even had experts come out and say that being able to, for instance copy a brake duct in the same way that Mercedes designed it would be really difficult just from photo references which is one of the claims that Renault have made against Racing Point. Yes, Racing Point's car looks very similar. It is performing outstandingly. It's better than expected this season. As I mentioned Lance Stroll got his highest finish with fourth this weekend in Hungary. So it is interesting to see. It's something that is going to develop. I don't think it will go beyond the investigation. The investigation will most likely come out in Racing Point and therefore Mercedes' favour. Mercedes have come out and said as well that they have had nothing to do with the design so it will be an interesting one moving forward so what happens if Racing Point are to say guilty is it a points deduction is it a massive fine is it both so that would depend it depends on what they're found guilty of so Renault have put across a very detailed list of protests so there's very specific rules that they're saying that they've broke I've gone into it very very little detail I've really dumbed it down because it is really complicated when you get into it so it may be that we see that any points that Racing Point have achieved to date would then be taken away from them it, it could be that Racing Point's results are deducted to zero so they've essentially dnf so did not finish the races up to this point this potentially moves the rest of the grid up one position or two positions depending on where everyone's finished over that course of the weekend they also may be told to potentially use 
last season's parts or part of the car, but the design philosophy wouldn't quite work. So Racing Point have previously been inspired by the way Red Bull designed their cars, but have pivoted, as I mentioned, towards the way Mercedes designed their cars. So it would be interesting to see. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. It really depends on if they're found guilty, what they're found guilty of. But personally, as I say, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. It'd be very interesting to see what happens with this. And we'll bring that news over to the listeners as well, because it, it does sound interesting. I do love a good court battle. Yeah, from the last two episodes, you certainly do love a good court battle, mate. So we'll have to wait and see. It is interesting. These protests happen all the time. This one seems to, since we had Red Bull protest Mercedes at the start of the season for their DAS system, which, without being too complicated, assists Mercedes cars going through corners with the camber of the wheel. So that was chucked out, and FIA decided that was legal, but... This isn't uncommon in Formula Uncommon for it to be on the extent that Renault have put across racing points. So we'll have to wait and see, and I'll make sure to keep everyone updated when we get the news. And thank you for dubbing that down for us, like you said. Much appreciated, especially yeah. for me anyway. If anyone does want to deep dive into it, do tell me. Like, hit us up on our, on our socials, and I'm more than happy to with the detail about them. I, by no means, understand everything about it. But yeah, if one can get complicated when you're talking about the mechanics and the engineering of a car. So I don't want to get into that and confuse people just now. That's fair enough. I know that definitely be confused at all so so that's all the news that we have for our formula one this week as we said we'll keep you informed if anything changes but then we're going to move on to our next sport our next sport this week being nba nba is getting ready to start again actually as of wednesday the 22nd of july we have the nba scrimmage starting so these are for anyone who is an nba fan essentially friendly games to shake off the rust and get the team started which is really exciting and, of course, this is all in preparation for the season starting on the 31st of July. We spoke about how we are both fans in different capacities of the NBA, Martin. So are you looking forward to everything kicking off or um, tipping off, should I say? <laughs> um, I am, actually. With the absence of NFL, I seem to do this every year to sort of ready my body where I was staying up late. I do like to watch the NBA, to be fair. And like you said, we kick off on the... Fe- and like you said, we tip off on the 31st actually the 30th here in the UK since it's the time difference at half 11 at night mm. the 30th of July so the first game is the Pelicans versus Jazz and I'm looking forward to this first game purely for the young buck which is Zion Williamson who looks absolutely incredible an absolute machine and it's a good one to start with and then the next game after that we've got the Lakers Clippers so a good old LA derby even though it's in Florida but yeah, you get what I mean totally totally man uh, on, on the topic of Zion Williamson I don't know if you've heard this or not Martin but a couple of days ago the news was that he had left the NBA bubble that they had to attend to a family medical matter so it's kind of up in the air if he's actually going to be able to start the season with them yeah so there is some news there most likely but right now as it develops we are looking to get updates we may have updates by the time this comes out it should only be a couple of days but just because they have very strict protocols in place for staying within that bubble uh, he is potentially not going to be there for the first game of the season I think I remember reading somewhere else as well that I don't know what player it was but someone left the bubble to go and get their takeaway food and came back instantly when which is a bit crazy considering all of the complaining about the food that they're having at this Disneyland World Resort thing so it is a bit questionable when they leave the bubble and come back in but hey basketball is back that's all that matters eh? yeah exactly man that is exactly it we've got basketball coming back 22nd of July for the scrimmage and then 31st or 30th if you're in the UK uh, very late on the 30th however (laughs) which is just going to be brilliant absolutely buzzing to have it back 
course, there is some other news coming from other teams as well. There are some players that have tested positive for COVID-19. The most notable recently being Russell Westbrook has tested. The most notable being that Russell Westbrook has tested positive for COVID-19. So he will not start for the Houston Rockets, most likely for the start of the season as he is in quarantine now. I want to get your opinion. Martin, do you think the absence of Russell Westbrook's affects Houston's chances of starting off well, or do you think it's not a factor at the moment? I think it really depends how long he's out for. Everyone's going to be a bit rusty to start with, even with the friendlies or scrimmage getting, even with the friendlies or scrimmage taking place, everyone's going to be a bit rusty to start with. So it depends how many games he's actually going to miss, but a key player like that, I think he will be missed. Even if it's in a small way, it, it, it's just, as a defender, he's someone else to think about, a strong talent to think about when you're defending. So chances are he will be missed, I reckon, anyway. How about yourself? Yeah, I think potentially this does hurt Houston's chances of having a good start to the regular season, but we'll have to wait and see. They may have contingencies in place that will allow them to... I mean, that they're prepared for this, of course. No one's really been prepared for this, but as you say, it's been such a long time since everyone's kind of played the sport properly, playing competitively against other teams. So does it have a factor? We'll wait and see. And as we get more news as well, I, of course, wish Russell Westbrook a speedy recovery. Hope he's all good with this. He is a fantastic player for the Houston Rockets. And I am looking forward to seeing him back in the court. He's someone I do enjoy watching. I'm glad he'll be happy to hear that he wish him a speedy recovery since... He's probably the listener, right? Uh, we hope so, we hope so. Let's break America. We broke Canada, so let's break America. Okay, well, with him being a listener, I'll come in with this little um, thing. I don't think he's... I think he's really overrated as a player, me personally. I think he's just so hot and cold sometimes. I just can't take to him for some reason or or never. I just don't know. So along, alongside losing out on Russell Westbrook then, that... I agree, he is hot and cold. I think he's quite important for the, the Rockets, however. They also potentially are faced with having an unprepared James Harden. So you're going to miss out on James Harden and Russell Westbrook. You're going to want one of them, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd take James Harden every single day of the week over Russell Westbrook. I'm sure everybody will agree to that. I didn't know that he might be missing or maybe doing less minutes or something. So that would be interesting. Yeah, I believe he started his first practice for them on Friday, so he's a little bit behind the rest of the squad and some of the players that are in there in the Disney World bubble that we've talked about previously. So hopefully he's fighting fit and ready, but I do believe if the Rockets go without Westbrook and Harden, they're in a little bit of trouble for the start of the season. And for me, yeah, of course, I'm going to pick James Harden over Westbrook, but I do think they're both very important characters for that team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if it's not injury-wise, if it's just pure fitness, he'll probably push himself harder and faster than, maybe not most, but he'll push himself a little bit harder to make sure that he's able to get enough minutes in for his team, because they probably are. They are highly dependent on a player like James Harden, so for him to come back, for example, if you push it over to the Lakers without Anthony Davis there, you would expect LeBron to come back and absolutely smash it so I kind of expect James Harden to do it as well considering he's one of the best players in the league so I don't have too many qualms about him playing I think he will play a majority I guess we'll just wait and see yeah we couldn't agree with you more mate we've now stumbled upon the halfway point of the podcast and we've came up with a new segment this week we'd like to know what you think about it but we've named it Flash News and this is where both Jordan and I we're just going to hit you with some headlines so Jordan, you are fired for On this week's episode is we have it confirmed that Wickham Wanderers for the first time in their history will be promoted to the championship and will be playing there next season. 
Also, we have it confirmed when the Premier League and the EFL summer transfer windows will be opened, having had it confirmed the other day there that it will be from the 27th of July to the 5th of October. And a sport we've not covered before, there's some news in tennis, as tennis players are now seeing an increase to their income from expedition matches and tournaments. Assurances that big tournaments such as Wimbledon have had thanks to a pandemic insurance clause. On the back of last week's episode, we also have a little bit of an update from the UFC. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to predict the fights quite right as we see Kamara Usman, Alexander Volkanovsky remain champions and we have new champions in Peter Yan and Davison Figueredo. In other news, Washington Redskins agree to change their name and rebrand the entire franchise from controversy that we detailed on our last episode. In a new sport we're covering this week, Eddie Jones, the head coach of England rugby team, says that the sport is turning into NFL with how slow it is getting. This is due to rest taking too long to make decisions, so Eddie Jones is not happy with how long this has taken. This is meaning that players aren't getting fatigued, and also the end of the games are just getting boring. There's not enough points getting scored. And lastly, in Formula 1, George Russell has confirmed he will be racing for Williams Formula 1 again in 2021 as he awaits for the opportunity to take a seat at Mercedes. So that's the flash news, everyone. Just some quick headlines for you on some of our favourite sports and some new sports that we're introducing to the podcast. Let us know what you think of any of the headlines that we've mentioned, if you want us to expand on them, and let's have a discussion on our socials. Our social medias can be found on Twitter, and that is at Mojo Sports Pod. We have Instagram, and that is Mojo underscore Sports Pod. We have our Facebook page, which if you just search in Facebook, Mojo Sports Podcast. Our next sporting news comes through the wonderful sport of soccer. Jordan, I believe you've got the first story to tell us. I do indeed, mate. So our first story this week that we're covering is the story of Man City versus UEFA. It has been confirmed that the UEFA ban that Man City had been subjected to has been overturned, which will allow them to compete in next season's Champions League a prospect which was in doubt up until the decision was made. So this potentially allows for Pep Guardiola to go on and win what is now a reduced format tournament that they'll have going into it in the summer, at least giving them a good opportunity to do so. And also this potentially puts the prospect of Pep Guardiola signing on an extension at Manchester City as well. As they are now faced with the prospect of Champions League football, a lot of the questions around who would stay if the ban was in place are now mute. So it is an interesting one, a question that has been thrown around a lot in the last week or so since this decision has been, does the club deserve an apology? I would like to know your opinion on that, mate. I think for sure we should be getting an apology. UEFA screwed up here. That's the easiest way to say it. So if they just hold their hands up and say, yeah, our bad. Like, no one really cares if they get an apology or not, to be fair. It's only really Man City fans that care, I suppose. But it would be good to see this massive company show some humility, really. In terms of what saying about players leaving, etc., I thought this would be upheld. So I thought these massive players, such as Raheem Sterling, who I think he actually stated he would stay with the club, but like Kevin De Bruyne, for example, these massive players, I thought for sure, were going to be gone as well as Pep. So it does bring some good light to the club, I suppose. Absolutely. It is great news if you're a City fan right now. The citizens will definitely be very happy with themselves. For me, in terms of do they deserve an apology, I'm going to say no. Because although the ban was overturned, let's not forget that the allegation was in breach of financial fair play rules. And they have been charged with this before. I don't know if this was possibly their legal prowess showing off or not. I, as a Liverpool fan, I'm not a massive fan of any club from Manchester. So there is certainly a little bit of bias going in here, mate. So I'm going to say they don't deserve an apology, but good on them for keeping in the Champions League. And 
undoubtedly keeping some of the hottest talent in the Premier League right now at that club. It is interesting because I know for sure that you wear glasses, Jordan. I just didn't know they were red tinted, too, aren't they? Red, red tinted glasses, of course, mate. <laughs> In other news, in last week's episode, we, of course, talked about the battle for survival within the Premier League. We had Norwich confirmed to be relegated, but it does look now as if the, the relegation battle for the, the two remaining bottom spot that nobody wants has really hotted up, Martin. And we, we talked about it last week. We were pretty sure that Bournemouth and Aston Villa were destined to go down, but their performances are indicating there's potentially some sort of optimism there, a chance of survival. What are you thinking about it? We both agreed, like you said, that Aston Villa and Bournemouth will go down. And I fully agree with that. We looked at the fixtures that some of these teams have. For example, Watford, who are just above by three points of the relegation zone. They have Arsenal and Man City to play. Whereas Aston Villa have Arsenal and West Ham to play. And Bournemouth, with only their one game remaining since they got beat by Southampton 2-0, their last game is against Everton. So, to be honest with you, I don't see anybody winning any of those games. I know relegation fights bring up surprises and stuff, and they probably will, to be fair. But if I was a betting man, I would put all my money on those two going down. That's just my personal opinion. I believe you think different, Jordan, or you're hoping for different anyway. I would say hoping for different is probably the right phrase to go with there, mate. And right now, I really want Aston Villa to stay up. Yes, they have got a bit of a challenge in their last two games there. So they've got Arsenal next and in the end of the season away to West Ham. I honestly think that they could get the points they need to stay up. As the next two games for Watford, I, I really don't see them being able to take away any points from them. They play Man City at home next and the end of the season at Arsenal. And I think there is an argument to be had that if Aston Villa were to win, they are still down by goal difference. I think that changes when Watford get beaten by Manchester City. I think we've it's pretty much quite breaking news at the moment that Nigel Pearson for Watford has just been sacked as well. So it could be interesting, you know. You have Man City who aren't really playing for much. You, you never know, last, last day of the season can be very interesting, I reckon, for Watford. But again, I just reckon everyone just absolutely bails and it's going to be not interesting at all. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's some fight in there for some teams. But... It's, it is very interesting indeed to see what happens with this relegation battle. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week again because it's where all the action is at really now, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah, the bottom of the table for the Premier League is where most of the news is coming from now. Of course, there's a little bit of a battle in your European spots as well with Leicester trying their very hardest not to qualify for the Champions League and Tottenham trying their very hardest to qualify for the Europa League. So <laughs> it, it it's one of those, it's one of those, there's some stories to be found there, but relegation really is where it's at. I'm hoping for Aston Villa, hopefully to stay on. I have my predictions here. So Aston Villa, Bournemouth to go down. Jordan, you're Watford and Bournemouth to go down, right? Just so we can summarise this, so we can replay it again when you're wrong. I want to know for sure. Yes, I'm going to say that Watford, Bournemouth and Norwich will be the three relegated teams when the season comes to an end. So from relegation to promotion, we have... Leeds United coming up to the Premier League, who many have said they're a Premier League team hanging around in the Championship for years and years and years. So, Jordan, 
What's your thoughts on Leeds United getting promoted? I'm really happy that Leeds United have been promoted. I'm a big fan of them in the Championship. They are definitely an entertaining team. Bielsa, their manager, entertaining guy. A lot of people speak really highly of him as well, so I'm interested to see what he can do and have a bit more spotlight on him with the Premier League. As for Leeds being a Premier League team in the Championship for 16 years, probably not. But we'll see, we'll see. It is exciting, though, to have a team like Leeds back. Certainly a team that deserves to be there. They've produced some excellent talent in the past as well. And I hope they prove to be a good team and possibly succeed in the vein of Sheffield United have this season. I mean, they are one of these teams that are rich in their history, just not recent history, which is hard for the fans, I suppose. But they're back in the Premier League, back maybe where they belong in terms of if you base it on fans, which are hate doing but I believe that's where they belong anyway certainly mate they do deserve to be there and they deserve to be in that league uh, an exciting thing for me as well as everyone who has listened to the last two episodes should know by now I'm a big fan of the MLS Leeds have had Man City youngster Jack Harrison who actually originated from another city owned football club in New York City they have confirmed that they have made an agreement for him to stick on he had has been really great for Leeds in my opinion I enjoy him as a player and he's one of those like players that I like sign in FIFA every year I don't know if you can relate to that part <laughs> so I'm quite happy for that it'll be good to see him it'll be interesting to see how he develops into a player as well they've got some other talent I'm sure we can break down Leeds a bit more but it's really exciting news that Leeds are finally back after 16 years away and in other news not related to the Premier League we have it confirmed the FA Cup final so the two teams that are going to be in there we have Arsenal after beating Man City, and we also have Chelsea after beating Manchester United. So Manchester have missed out against London this season for the FA Cup final. I'm looking forward to it. I believe that every time these teams play, we're guaranteed to have some sort of drama. And I, I would like to know, Martin, what would you, your prediction be for the FA Cup final? Which of these two teams do you think, based on the season they've had, are going to walk away with the trophy this season? I genuinely think a game like this is pretty much a flip of a coin. They both seem to be weirdly inconsistent they can get smashed by one team and then go and smash another this probably wasn't this is the opposite of what I probably would have predicted I would have said Man U and Man City would have been in the final mm. so it will be interesting to watch it's going to be weird seeing Wembley empty like it was for these games but for a massive final like the FA Cup known worldwide it's probably the biggest domestic cup you can win that's not a league so it's interesting for it to be a London derby if I had to edge towards, I'd maybe say Arsenal. Just, what are your thoughts? What do you think, Jordan? So, I personally think that Chelsea are going to win this one. Oh. I think Frank Lampard has built a team that backs him a bit more than we see from Arteta in Arsenal right now. I don't think Arteta's had enough time with those players to have a team that backs him. That's another really interesting point with this game, though, is both managers are fighting for their first proper bit of silverware as managers. Two players in in their playing days who were relatively successful, Frank Lampard a little bit more, but this will be really interesting as they both vie to be the first person of the two to get that piece of silverware. Our final news story of the podcast is that Real Madrid have won La Liga. And this is huge because I was going to say as my hot take on the very first week, Jordan, that I thought that Real Madrid were going to blow it and Barcelona were going to come back and win the league. So I'm very glad that I did not say that. But it doesn't really matter now because I've said it to everyone anyway. But what are your th- what are your thoughts here with Real Madrid winning La Liga and the possibility of Zinedine Zidane 
leaving, Jordan? So I think Real Madrid have certainly earned this La Liga title and they have done so under Zinedine Zidane, although he has this weird relationship with them now as a manager. If you're a football fan, you'll know that famously Zinedine Zidane left after he essentially had won everything. He won the Champions League final three times in a row. He had won the league. And then he left. And then, what, six months later, joined them again. And I feel like he's now hit this point again where he's achieved everything. And he's, I think he's probably getting bored. I think he should try himself out in another league. I would love him to come to the Premier League, but I'd also hate him to come to the Premier League because it wouldn't be for <laughs> Liverpool. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, this. Real Madrid's excellent team. Built from the top to the bottom, really very talented. We talk about Galacticos, they certainly have a few just now. Zidane, a Galactico himself in his playing time, a Galactico as a manager maybe, is that wrong to say? I think that's maybe a bit too much to say, just because he's came in twice and won the league twice. Maybe if he wins the league in five times or something, then yeah, maybe he's outstandingly good manager. But I do kind of get where you're coming from in a roundabout way. It's just strange to me to see a manager go and then come back and go and come back. It's just an odd one. And the fact that he might be leaving again after another successful year, it's a bit strange. But I do suppose I possibly get it that he's leaving on a high like he did last time, as you mentioned. It just doesn't seem right to me. Like Who, who are they going to bring in? Maybe Jurgen Klopp? Possibly. I, I don't want Jürgen to go anywhere <laughs> at all. But if he was to, say, be poached to the Real Madrid job, could we have Zinedine Zidane? I would, I'd take that trade. I wouldn't be totally happy with it. I'd take it, though. Um, yeah. When it comes to this, though, you've got to think. So Zinedine Zidane, he's been a, a manager for, what is it, like under five years now? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, about five years. He's won La Liga twice. He's won the Supercopa de España three times, two times, sorry. He's won the Champions League three times. He's won the UEFA Super Cup twice. He is undoubtedly an amazing manager. And you've got to think as well, he's won this in a time where Real Madrid really struggled to compete against Barcelona. And to some but degree, Atletico Madrid. It's just, I find it really hard to call a manager outstandingly amazing when they just come in and manage one of the biggest, in fact, probably the biggest team brand-wise worldwide. You can't just come into that, win a couple of things, and then just assume that they're the best manager. It doesn't sit right with me, because you, you assume these massive teams are going to win this amount of trophies. I like a manager like Jurgen Klopp, who goes from teams and builds them up sort of thing, rather than just jumping into the best team or one of the two top best teams in the league. I don't see it as a great managerial feat, but I suppose I get that people think it is. For me, personally, I think he's done really well. I think we disagree a little bit on this, mate. Yes, you can say he was given one of the biggest teams at the time. Of course, he had Ronaldo as well, but I, I don't I don't think that that's a sum of his parts. Zidane has proved himself to be a very competent manager. And as I mentioned before, he, the team had struggled previously against the likes of Barcelona, have struggled since as well with Barcelona. There are teams that can challenge Real Madrid. Zidane is not infallible, but he has proved himself to be this really quality manager and so much so that I can say that I would want him to be at Liverpool if Klopp was to go. He would not be a terrible example. Styles of plays and things would have to change, certainly, but he has proven himself to be one of those players that can move his amazing talent he had on the pitch, off the pitch, and it's really... I think it's a boost of confidence now. We can see, as we've talked about Frank Lampard and Michael Arteta fighting for their first piece of silverware. 
that we are having this new generation of former players come in and create success within the world of football. We would like to hear what you guys think about all these football stories as well as the Zidane one. So hit us up on the socials like we mentioned before. We just really want to hear your opinions on these stories that we're bringing to you. The last section we have here is the same as the other two podcasts. We are ending on our hot takes, which if you don't remember or you've not listened before, this is where both Jordan and I, we come up with an unpopular opinion as such and see how the other reacts. We had a good one last week where I said I'd rather watch the Super Bowl over the Champions League final. Still looking for that new host. (laughs) We have face masks, we have MLS, we have streaming devices. There's a whole load of unpopular opinions we've come up with. And this week, Jordan, Mm -hmm. F1 Relayed. Oh, okay. All right, I'm, I'm interested, so, I'm interested. As mentioned before, I'm not really clear about F1, so I'm not even sure if this is a hot take or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. I believe drivers are not the main focus in Formula 1, as in how good you are. It's all about the car. The reason for this is Mercedes' dominance over the past couple of years. Red Bull's dominance when they were in the height. Ferrari's dominance, and now they're non-dominance. I reckon... It's purely of how successful these drivers are. comes from the car they're driving, not their driving ability. Okay. What do you think? Interesting. It's it's certainly not a new one. It's something I personally disagree with. But there is... There is change there. (laughs) Yeah, we can't agree on everything, mate. (laughs) There is a vein of truth to it, however. I'm just trying to come across, like, in a way where I'm like, don't... Don't break my toys because I love F1 and it's a sport that I admire. Are you saying that it's mainly the car? So the car is more what provides the team success than the driver. Is that what is that what we're saying here? Yes, hundred percent. So for example, um, if you put Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, in say a racing point car, he's not going to be winning every single race. He probably won't even podium most races because it's the car that does the majority of the work and why teams are successful. My opinion. Okay. Okay, interesting. There is always going to be an example that goes against the grain here, which that example is, but I feel like the majority of the time is the best cars. It's always these cars have a period of dominance. Like I said, it's Mercedes right now and possibly again in the future. And Red Bull a couple of years ago when it was Vettel and Mark Webber, they had a period of dominance. So it's just how I feel, how I look at the sport. Is it's based on the equipment you're given, which seems strange to me. Like as a as a football fan, you wouldn't give say Arsenal and Chelsea in the FA Cup final. You wouldn't give Arsenal boots that run faster than all the other Chelsea players. It just doesn't make sense to me. I see your point. Uh, I see your point there. But what I would say to that is that Formula One isn't just Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, for instance. It's not like it's not Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen versus Sebastian Vettel. It's Mercedes versus Red Bull versus Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton is an important component in that team. And that's why you have the drivers' championships alongside the constructors' championships. So it is it is a team sport almost, but on the day it's up to an individual or a set of individuals to be the one that produce the performances. And if you don't have the best racers in place, you're not going to produce the best results. But I would say that's as simple as that. You could have Roman Grosjean, for instance, in the Mercedes car. I think he still crashes that every other race. (laughs) Some drivers are just a level above. And Lewis Hamilton, regardless of which team he's been in, has proven time and time again he is a super talented driver and is able to win championships. Vettel 
was given a championship-winning Ferrari two, three seasons ago. It wasn't able to make it work because of him, not because of the car. Mercedes have been challenged for this period of dominance, but because of the drivers they've had in place, whether that be Lewis and Rosberg and Lewis and Valtteri Bottas, they've had this consistent and capable team around them that have allowed them to get the most out of that car. And I don't think that's down to one person, but I also wouldn't say that it would be fair to say that it isn't a massive sign of an achievement that an individual such as the driver has made. Because, of course, when Mercedes win, it's not a Lewis Hamilton or a Bottas that has won. It is the whole team that wins. And that is the sport. It's a team sport, but you can only have one or two representatives at a time on the track. I feel like I've been watching Formula 1 the complete wrong way for years. I always thought it came driver classifications first and then your team. Everyone always looks out for... Like, see, for example, someone says to me, oh, who... Who won the race? But uh, Lewis Hamilton won. I went around and go, oh yeah, Mercedes won it. So I think it depends on kind of your exposure to the sport and how you feel about the sport, personally. So yeah. for me, I, I would say that Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes had a really good weekend because it wouldn't... So we look at it this weekend where we were seeing that Hamilton came first, Bottas came third. That's a really good weekend for Mercedes. They managed to get points. On that side as well, you can't have... It's been proven. You really can't have these two really talented drivers. It's the problem we have at Ferrari right now with Sebastian Vettel, four-time champion, and Leclerc, an up-and-coming hot prospect in the sport. These two are constantly gunning for each other and are unable to make that compete because they're too focused on competing with each other. So you have to have the right drivers at your team we talked about this before I don't think Valtteri Bottas is one of the fastest drivers or most talented drivers but he's the right driver for Mercedes because you have the superstar the icon of Formula 1 right now in Lewis Hamilton at the very top and you need someone who compliments him and but challenges him still but not pressuring him into making mistakes or slipping up so you have Valtteri Bottas. You see that with Red Bull. You have a proven prospect with Max Verstappen. He is the proven driver. He is the number one driver. But then you have Alex Albon. Albeit his performances haven't been excellent, and it's been really hard to find that partner that complements Max Verstappen. So we relate this to other sports where you have your number one guy and your number two. The best example for what every team needs is uh, Michael Jordan and the Scottie Pippen situation. You have Michael Jordan. He's the headline guy. He's sitting there. He's doing the job for the Bulls, right? What you needed, though, you needed a dependable and challenging player just behind them with Scottie Pippen to be able to provide him with everything that he needed to succeed, but also everything that he needed to be challenged. And I think it would be a really good example of that there where you have this period of success coming for in this situation for the Bulls. It wasn't all down to Jordan. It was the team that they had behind them. So let's think of Michael Jordan as the driver, but the rest of the team is, and let's, let's use an example of Mercedes. So Scottie Pippen is your, your number two driver, and the rest of the team from the back is your engineers, your total will, so your team principal, everyone who's doing a job together to succeed. So yes, the car is probably a big factor, but without the right people, I don't think Mercedes could succeed. There are some drivers that are on that grid right now who, if they sat in the Mercedes car, would not be one and two. They would be much further down. My hot take of it's the car, not the driver, Jordan. You disagree? I do. I do disagree. Okay. I think I've, I need to come up with a hot take that you agree with one day. Maybe. Maybe next week. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. So what's your hot take then? Let me hear yours. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pull mine back to the sport of football. That we just. So my hot take for this week 
is amongst the most talented of football managers out there. I'm not saying he is the most, but I'm saying he is one of the most overrated managers, and that is Pep Guardiola. I believe... It's, it's not coming from a place of bias either. This is actually if I take his career as a whole, right? So we've talked about Zidane and how he's done bits at Real Madrid and what that success means. I think Pep Guardiola has always been in a position to succeed the most and has never made the most of that opportunity. The fact of the matter that we are still talking about Man City waiting for a Champions League win and now he's been there for four, coming on five seasons. And he never did it again at Bayern Munich as well. Given the team and players that he's had around them at all times, shows that he isn't the best at building a team. I'm kind of getting sick of saying this each week, but I feel like I agree with you again, Jordan. <laughs> I feel like we, as a as a pair, we need to come up with one that I disagree with for you and one that you agree with for me. But no, I... I, I I agree. It's the same sort of situation with um, Zidane, where it is the best teams he's went to. Like at the time, that Barcelona team he was in charge of was the best team in the world. The same could possibly be said about the Bayern Munich team that he had. It was one easily one of the best teams in the world. This Man City team, even the players themselves, like like Yashiny can't build a good team. I think he's got a good team there. A team that should be winning the Champions League. His style of play is good. Should be winning. I just feel feel like he chokes at certain times so I must say I do agree with you I've, I've, I've thought this for years that Pep Guardiola was an overrated successful manager if if you look at his CV with all the trophies that he's equated then yeah he's, he's a good manager yeah. he's not excellent like what everyone thinks so I think undoubtedly and I just want to make that really clear what I'm saying right now is I'm not saying that Pep Guardiola is by any means a bad manager I think he is unbelievable but there is something that he doesn't bring to clubs like Bayern Munich and Man City that mean they are unable to succeed at the highest level. I mean, like if you compare it to Barcelona, he had Messi, he's had Lewandowski and some other outstanding players at Bayern, and he's got all the money in the world to buy whatever player he wants for Man City. And you do have some world... like Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best midfielder in the world. Sterling is probably one of the best wingers in the world. They have some outstanding players in their team. They really do. So it, it is questionable why he's not won a Champions League, for example, outside Barcelona. It is. So I think over what I think is nearly eight years after next season, his fifth season, it's a bit crazy that he's not won a Champions League. Not even came close either, has he? Is, has there been a semi-final in there? There's definitely not been a final in there. So, yeah, it's very questionable whether he is one of the best managers. You can put him up there beside Alex Ferguson, even Klopp, now that he's done it with both Dortmund, the second best team in Germany, and now Liverpool, who's not the best team or wasn't when he took over. Yeah. So, as I agree with you, Jordan. I do. Yeah, and like another thing I just want to make clear, I am not coming from a position that Klopp is the best manager. I do think he still has a lot to prove. I love him. I think he's at the right club. But there's there's something there's something about Pep Guardiola that I think means he won't win a Champions League. He has had so much opportunity. And this summer, with the smaller reduced tournament that we now have, Man City are in the best position to win the Champions League that they've ever been in. And if they do not win it, I, I do think Pep has to start to consider other options. I don't think he is at the right club. He's got all the right players. We've talked about Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne. Just want to make very clear, these are two players he didn't bring in. 
Oh, interesting. So yeah, it, he, even their striker as well, Aguero. And Aguero, exa- exactly. He he is he is kept with brilliantly talented footballers, like undoubtedly brilliantly talented footballers. But he hasn't been able to build enough around them, and we've seen Man City for years have problems with their back four for years, and that still is an issue under Pep Guardiola. How yeah. how have we been able to have that? under so many talented managers, and then Pep Guardiola will be seen as the hero and essentially just continue as normal. If I'm a Man City fan, I'm not going to be happy with the level of dominance that we've seen. Yes, Liverpool have pipped them this season to the Premier League. I am under no illusions that they're going to come back bigger and stronger next season. But they need to they need to fix an issue that has been going on from Mancini all the way to Pep Guardiola. So that's my hot take, that Pep Guardiola is amongst the most overrated of the most successful managers of world football right now, just because his lack of success where he should be getting success. And I agree with it. Yeah, so three weeks in a row, Martin, I've been able to convince you my point of view. So three weeks in a row that you've been unable to convince me of your point of view. But yeah, that's the hot takes for this week. And guys, we've we've worked really hard to continue to make improvements, add segments and continue to add sports that we think you want to hear from. And Martin, I'm sure you're the same. It has been really interesting to research all these different sports as well as we kind of develop a little bit more. It has been. Yeah, it's really good to... I have actually really enjoyed looking at new sports, kind of broaden our horizons, really. For example, we brought rugby in here. Neither of us particularly enjoy rugby. I mean, I know I only watch the Six Nations when Scotland's playing. So it's, so it's good to sort of branch out into other sports just gain a new understanding for them really so it's fun to do these sort of things and fun to bring them over to you listeners as well maybe get you engaged in more sports that you didn't know such as the NBA NFL so it's good to keep evolving absolutely I just want to say again this is our third week and we're going to continue to go and continue to grow so thank you so much to everyone who has listened and stuck with us uh, as we continue to develop this podcast your feedback as always is really appreciated we look forward to hearing from you in the next one one thing we do ask of you as listeners is if you see a post if you see a tweet on instagram and you're enjoying the podcast give us a share give us a like give us a retweet it helps us grow the podcast, gain more listeners, branch out to new sports, get people in. It would really help the podcast grow massively. Just to hit that share button, really. So, after the third week podcast, we come to a close. Nice and easy, getting better this Jordan, aren't we? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Everyone will let us know. So, it's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Jordan. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Bye.